De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today, we're going to be talking about how to transition to being a data company. Joining us is Tarush Agarwal, who is the founder and CEO at 5X, which is the modern data stack as a managed service that enables companies to answer business questions without having to worry about building data infrastructure or bringing in the right data engineering team. And today, Tarush and I are going to talk about transitioning to being a data company. Okay, here's my conversation with Tarush Agarwal, the founder and CEO at 5X. Tarush, welcome to the podcast. Wonderful to have you on. Hey, Doug, thank you so much for having me on board. Very, very excited to be here and uh, hopefully add some value to your listeners. Well, I think you will. And I have to point out the fact that I am very jealous of Tarush right now. He is in his living room. It is seven in the morning. I'm not jealous about that, but he is in Bali. So guys, not a bad place to work. We are definitely in the middle of this revolution of people being able to work wherever they want to. And guess what, Trish, you are the winner. So congratulations. That's amazing. Talk to me about the current state of go-to-market data management at the typical B2B organization. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I think it's always good to get a, a little bit of context, right? And especially when you think about go-to-market, go-to-market is is really, for the most part, has gained a lot of traction in the last five to 10 years with sort of digital marketing. So if you look at, you know, businesses 10 years ago, you had this company called Google, they sort of came on board and, and they started telling customers that if you don't do digital marketing if the, and if you don't focus on selling online and creating a brand, you're not going to exist in 10 years. And 30, 40% of the businesses said, no, that's not true. We're used to selling in this way. And those businesses really don't exist now. So, you know, what's happened is there's been this like macro shift in the last few years. And now every company, you know, even before, very often they have a product, they're already speaking about like digital marketing and how they're going to attract customers. So, you know, if you look at this macro trend, right, like what's happening now is we care about what are all the different sales channels we have, how are we attracting customers? One level deeper than I spend $100 on Facebook and, you know, I'm, I'm looking at X many clicks or X many conversions, but who are my target customers? What are the different what are the different segments of customers which use us? How do I attract more of my target customers? And how do I focus on all of our go-to-market channels, which make more sense? So if you really analyze what I just said, we're starting to see that go-to-market is becoming more and more technical. And it's really, you know, evolution two of like digital marketing is really the data revolution, where it's no longer just about having a digital strategy. Everyone has that. It's about how do you become really efficient with that? Because now it's no longer binary of having a strategy or not. 
if you're not very efficient with it, your competition is just going to out-execute you because they can get very, very efficient with this. So, you know, this sort of macro trend of, of being able to get much, much deeper into these skill sets is sort of really this sort of data transition, which has begun. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I, and I feel like, you know, what you're speaking to is something I've experienced personally, which was that, let's say 20 years ago, getting your hands on data was actually somewhat unusual. And it was something that you would have to compile on your own. And, and I think the reference point to Google, that was typically where I was getting my data. I would be in GA and be like, my God, look at all this information I can grab from GA. And now I think to flip things over 20 years later, I'm awash in data. I don't lack for data. And I think in many ways, so a good example of an organization that I feel has helped my company, me personally, is Snowflake, right? So there are organizations out there recognizing that, hey, we're washing data. And the first wave of the revolution I felt were, you know, frankly, at the end of the day, a lot of very cool BI tools that were out there. So talk to me about those trends. In other words, we're washing data, we have BI tools, but really, are we able to get to the data we need to get to? Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of one of my favorite topics. This is really where I spend most of my career is I think Google Analytics did a phenomenal job, right? And today, Google An- Analytics is like synonymous with like with like having a website, having product analytics. Then, you know, a few years ago, we we started having the data warehouse. And for those of you who don't know, the data warehouse is a single source where you can pull data from all of your different data sources. So you can pull it from your website, your backend, from your CRM, from Stripe, your sort of Zendesk, from all of these different data sources. And really... Having data in a single place allows us to like clean this data, join it, and answer really, really complicated questions. So something like, hey, we had a product recall. What percentage of customers who we had this product recall with ever ordered from us ever again? Now, this would typically go hit three or four or five of your backend systems. It could hit your customer service. It could hit your backend. It could hit some of your supply chain systems, your sort of e-commerce store. And being able to answer these questions inside a self-service manner is really, you know, very, very critical in terms of being able to sort of grow and scale the business and really empower everyone in your organization. Now, I think Snowflake has really been, you know, the leader of what we call like the modern data stack movement, right, of, of like centralizing your data. But we sort of realize it's just now one of the pieces, right? We still need to have a separate tool for ingesting it. We still need to have a data warehouse, a tool for sort of structuring it, a tool for, you know, building out your sort of reporting. So on one hand, you know, I think Google Analytics is becoming, you know, in some ways a sort of a great starter tool. It's an entry point into thinking of the world from a data perspective, but not very valuable as you scale up. You know, it doesn't play well into the modern data stack ecosystem. It doesn't allow you to extract all of the data. You don't get user-level information. It's mainly around high-level aggregates. So amazing tool. The sort of cons are it's got a ceiling in terms of where it stops becoming useful. But the big pros are one-click setup. Whereas the modern data stack and, you know, the Snowflake ecosystem with all of its partners is, you know, immensely sort of scalable. It's, you know, once you get into it, this works still, you know, UIPO and, and so well beyond that. On the other hand, it's not, you know, accessible. There are multiple companies involved. This, you know, sort of very sort of specialized expertise. So that's really how, you know, I think these ecosystems sort of interact with each other. Yeah, and I agree. I think GA ends up being that gateway drug, if you will. So in terms of looking at this 
this rubric, this idea that organizations are either, and we're going to be really binary here, ready? The world is never this simple as we know, but either you're a data organization or you're not. And so what separates companies that are data focused or data organizations versus those that are not? Is it simply just a matter of time or are there practices or thinking that represent companies that are data focused or data companies? You know, I think every company is using data at a fundamental level, right? Like forget any fancy tool. If you have a Google spreadsheet and you know how much sales you did last month and you know what sales you did this month, you know, I that is looking at data, right? It could be the simplest form. So it's not, I don't think there's any binary now you are, now you're not. Everyone is. I think, you know, what we would define as a more data-driven or data-led or, or any of these sort of adject, uh, adjectives which we use to describe companies, um, it, it's sort of really starting to build more awareness around some of the skill sets around, hey, we have this and based on this piece of information, we're making some decisions in order to make better decisions. What are some additional pieces of information we can start to collect? which will allow us to make more optimizations. And this is always an iterative process, right? Like you start with what you have and you keep making changes. With better information, it doesn't necessarily always lead to better decisions. With better information, usually first leads to better questions. And better questions eventually lead to optimizations, which can lead to sort of better decisions. So it's always an iterative process. And I think that's Really, my one pet peeve with a lot of founders today, which are like, hey, you know, when we're waiting to collect enough information and then all of a sudden we're going to activate it and have amazing recommendations and insights, it's not binary. It's really more iterated. So it's a slow investment in, in actually starting to get output from it and take it sort of step by step, right? And at some point, it starts becoming sophisticated enough where, you know, each incremental steps becomes more and more complicated. But for a long time, there's just so much low-hanging fruit, right? Like if sort of even in the ecosystem, like once you grow past Google Analytics, you know, sort of starting to ingest your data, sort of starting to ingest your data, coming up with your first three or four core models, having self-service analytics for everyone in the organization to get value from, you know, things like this are becoming easier than they were a few years ago. And this really is where 95% of companies are going to find the most value. I think data science, ML, what people traditionally think is going to be the, the sort of massive value add is probably an overkill for like most organizations. Tell me, what's your experience in terms of the current state of the data that people are consuming? And, and what I want to know, it's not necessarily whether we have good or bad data hygiene. I, I think the answer is our data hygiene is always in question. But it is, how are organizations using that data effectively? In other words, I feel like we're awash in data, but quite often being awash in data doesn't necessarily mean we're going the right direction. You know, I think there's been a transformation, right? I think it's a very interesting question you asked, and there are two sort of components to it, and they both are a little bit contradictory, which is why, you know, we're in this kind of new state. Number one is from a data sources perspective, the number of data sources your average startup has today is between 10 to 12, which is just mind-boggling compared to the fact that five years ago, this was one or two. Five years ago, you know, for instance, we would use one super-powered app, right? Like back in the consumer day, we would use Yahoo or we would use Google and we would just use them for everything. Today, your average consumer wants, you know, Zoom for video and Slack for messaging and like Loom for like video recording. 
and you know moving into the business world too we sort of see this where you have back end databases and it's no longer just facebook ads but you have five different ad networks and you have like crm and help desk and all of these are now different tools so it's having exponentially more data sources always adds a level of complexity and this is really where answering sort of questions holistically has become way harder because it's no longer about answering questions from one tool so all of a sudden you know analytics from a single provider like facebook's ad manager again maybe a good tool to start with but it becomes irrelevant very much much quicker today because facebook isn't your only ad source so that's kind of on one hand that's you know one macroeconomic trend happening on the other hand you know as we get into data quality that's really interesting because given that we're using very specialized services which in general do one or two things but they do it much better we're really moving to a lot more structured data with really good data models so overall i think from a perspective of what is the data quality coming out of each tool i think this is at an all time high highly structured highly organized highly use case specific data of extremely high quality so i think popular to contrary belief where a lot of companies think they have a data quality problem i think they probably have a number of data sources problem and they don't have the expertise on bringing together all of these different data sources in order to answer holistic questions but the actual data quality coming out of each of these tools is probably at an all time high and i think because of these two trends being a little bit contradictory to each other there's a big mess happening but not for the reasons you think you stuck something really interesting in there and i'm going to i'm going to bring it back and i think this is going to be a little bit of our topic when we get back together tomorrow but you talked about machine learning and data science maybe being a bit as we say over their skis or a bit over promise and your sense overall is that its impact is not going to be what people think it's going to be talk to me about that why do you think we're overestimating the ability of machine learning and data science to help us out i think sort of in the macro machine learning is the future it's like building a skyscraper right everyone wants to build a skyscraper machine learning is like designing the penthouse before you you started to build the skyscraper well, most people don't realize that they haven't laid the foundation there's no point talking about the skyscraper i love being optimistic but at this point we're better off talking about like building the building and that's really being very practical what's the infrastructure you need how do you get all these tools how do you spin them together investing in self service reporting you know a few things which i look for is how well do you understand your business model right like your core data model which you used to answer questions about the business if that data model is still eye trading you can't focus on insights and recommendations just like jumping on to a moving train right there's too much sort of changing for you to focus on coming up with like hypothesis and like being able to sort of program them in so we really look for companies that have you know understood that the core data models these core data models are not changing and that's really the right time to sort of jump into the sort of ml train but sort of given where most companies are this is really you know the phase 1 and the phase 2 before we get over there does that make sense it makes a ton of sense and i and i think that you know as we think about machine learning and its impact whether that's within the software we're buying or within you know secondarily within the way that our software is delivered and developed based on understanding what machine learning has delivered for us 
I think it's very wise to understand that so much of it has to do with stability in the data set, as you're talking about, and the quality of that data set. And I guess my final question for you today really is, when will there be stability in those data sets? I feel like quite often that's the normal state. There's so much fluidity to those data sets. Is there ever going to be a day where we feel like they're stable enough to really benefit from machine learning? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question. And again, I think for a majority of companies, the use cases are becoming fairly standardized, right? And that's because of this sort of tooling layer. So since tooling is getting more specific, the use cases around that tooling start to get more generalized. And if you look at machine learning, you know, two different types, one of them is really the, I'm going to hire my own data scientists and build our own models. And the second one is like, you know, using a low code, no code, or even like augmented analytics as a sort of category, which is able to use a specific use case to sort of structure it in a predefined sort of inside a predefined format and, and, and give you really deep insights. I'm a lot more bullish on the latter, right? As we start to really have these core use cases, you know, for e-commerce, it's things like recommendations or like pricing strategy, you know, same thing with like supply chain and hotels and trips and for SaaS, it's again around who are your different cohorts and customer lifetime value. You know, these are the same use cases just with different sort of variables for different companies. And, you know, ML is, is, is sort of starting to play a bigger and bigger piece over here instead of, you know, going and building your own ML and your own data science, which again, I think a lot of people are thinking about, you know, augmented analytics and some of these sort of more specialized tools, you know, come with this promise that because of these use cases that are really well understood and the ML models are really sophisticated, you can really integrate them in with a much lower sort of barrier point and get these same level of insights. It's not as flexible as, you know, if you had to go design everything from scratch, but you know, very, very optimistic on this. And I think, you know, we'll start to see a lot more adoption on tools like this before we do on, you know, pure machine learning data scientists, hired led ML. Yeah, and I, and I brought things up here just by saying, I'm glad we're talking about machine learning. I, I feel like so much of the conversation centers around this marketing concept of AI, artificial intelligence. And at the end of the day, really, we're in that world of machine learning and still trying to get it to be effective for us overall. Trish, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Doug, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you on. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Tarush Agarwal, founder and CEO at 5X for joining us. In part two of this interview, which we're going to publish tomorrow, Tarush and I are going to talk about how tech businesses will evolve over the next five years. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Tarush, you can find a link to his LinkedIn profile on our show notes, or you can contact him on Twitter where his handle is IamTarush, or visit his company website at 5x.co. Well, just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to RevGenPod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. And if you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed on the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. 